The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. You really have to see to believe the things that are uh, happening on Fox News from all sorts of people who just cannot cope with the reality that Donald Trump has lost. And it's actually starting to get hilarious because of how stupid and cultish it is. Let's go through a few clips. It'll be a whirlwind tour of the last day or two on Fox News. Uh, This is really great. Here is Fox News anchor Ainsley Earhart on yesterday morning's Fox and Friends episode. She's sort of begrudgingly saying, I guess that guy they're sort of calling the president elect Joe Biden, the petulance, the stubbornness. It's just palpable here. Listen to this. And uh, Steve Ducey's son, Peter, who has been on the campaign trail and now he's with uh, with what they're calling the president elect Biden. What they are calling president elect Biden. Isn't that just a delight? They they can't they can't cope. They just can't. It's it's stunning the inability to just accept that they've lost. And then after, of course, uh, earlier this week, the electors in all 50 states voting officially giving Joe Biden the status of president elect, not media designated anymore, but elector designated president elect on Wednesday night, Trump uh, White House press secretary and senior advisor to the Trump campaign, Kaylee McEnany, appeared on Fox News and just wildly accused the courts of gimmickry tricks. I don't know if she meant gimmicky tricks. Gimmickry is a word. It's unclear if she's actually using it the right way. Anyway, Kaylee just can't take anything, including the fact that courts recognize that every single one of the 50 claims that the Trump campaign has made are without merit. Take a look. Here's what they did, Sean. Here was the clever little trick, and it happened in Nevada. When the claims were brought beforehand, when we warned and said, hey, mass mail-in voting is a problem, we brought these courts, we brought these claims to a court of law. They said, hey, your claim's not ripe. Come back after the election. We bring it after the election to the same court, and they say, latches, which is a legal doctrine saying your claim is too late. It can't not be ripe and then be too late. Those are the kind of gimmickry tricks that happened, uh, and we've got to try to fix this because 2022 is on the line 2024. She just can't handle it and she will never stop. She some have jumped ship. Some of the rats have abandoned the ship. Kaylee is committed to going down with the ship. And by gimmickry, I guess she means civil procedure, due process, constitutional elections, democracy, the will of the people. That's now called gimmickry to Kaylee McEnany. Then we move on to a sitting senator, Republican Senator Rand Paul yesterday morning, also on Fox and Friends, saying without a shred of irony whatsoever that the election was absolutely stolen by Joe Biden from Donald Trump. You think the election was stolen? You tweeted out. Absolutely. I think there's a great deal of fraud. Fifty court decisions won't convince him. Statistical analyses won't convince him. He will insist no matter what that it was stolen. And of course, he golfs with Trump. And I I don't think that the personal relationship with Trump should be ignored here, as least at least as part of the reason, part of the reason why Rand Paul is saying this stuff. Here's another 
insane one. This is a different Fox News show, and it's Republican Congressman Ken Buck. Ken Buck is so unable to cope with what's going on that he is calling for an investigation into Hunter Biden, possibly even criminal charges against not only Hunter Biden, <laughs> but even Joe Biden as well. American people are fed up with corruption in Washington, D.C. I think they're fed up with people selling their office for personal gain. And that's exactly what it appears uh, President elect Biden did. And if he didn't do it, we need to have a special counsel to clear the air. It's the special counsel that should be answering the questions, um, just like uh, uh, special counsel Mueller uh, investigated President Trump and cleared him. If uh, uh, President elect Biden is cleared, so be it. If he's not cleared, we need to make sure that we proceed with criminal charges against Hunter Biden and, if necessary, against Joe Biden when he leaves office. Buck can't even get his facts straight, or maybe more likely he doesn't care about the facts. Uh, Robert Mueller did not clear Donald Trump. Robert Mueller actually says in plain language he cannot clear Trump on obstruction. And if he could clear Trump on obstruction, he would have said I can clear Trump on obstruction and Ken Buck going off into uh, fantasy land. Now, here's my question for you. Is this more sad or infuriating or is it is it both? And I, I'm leaning towards it's both like it, it is infuriating that these people are in positions of power. It's infuriating that these people hold the bully pulpit and, and set the agenda on media and, and all of that. And maybe I'm too, you know, one of the things that we know about the right is they are completely unempathetic uh, until something affects them directly. Maybe I'm too empathetic, but I, I find it sad to see adults behaving in this way, just completely unable to cope uh, with with what is a political loss here. Um, and I think over the next listen, there's kind of three uh, time frames that I'm looking at. It's the next few weeks until January 20. What do we see on right wing media and from Republicans during that period of time? Then what do we see during the first few months of the Joe Biden presidency? And then what will right wing media sort of settle into for the duration of Biden's term? And my expectation is, again, it depends on what Trump will do and how visible Trump will be in continuing to foment this insanity. But I think Republicans and right wing media will get back to all the normal playbook, um, thinly veiled anti-Semitic tropes, as we saw from Tucker Carlson yesterday pretending to care about the debt and deficit, all of the normal stuff that we've come to see from them. Curious to hear from you. I am really glad to see that national security experts are increasingly using a term that I've been talking about on the program for years and that you may now be familiar with. And that term is stochastic terrorism to describe what Donald Trump is doing. Uh, we have now heard from such national security experts as Juliet Kayyem and others who are saying that when Donald Trump goes out there and insists that it's been stolen and says we they must resist and that they must fight and that it's uh, uh, an attack on his voters and democracy and all of these things. When he makes these claims about electoral fraud that are both completely unequivocal from Trump, but completely baseless, in fact. Donald Trump is making it more likely that some of his followers are going to go out and take to the streets and do real world violence. And the people that sometimes speak on Trump's behalf, 
will often hide behind. These are sometimes jokes that are being told or things are being taken too literally or whatever the case may be. But as Juliet Kayyem points out, and this is written about in a very good Mother Jones article, um, we've also heard from others like Corey Shake and and other people. Um, this can really encourage people to go completely crazy with real world violence. And the term stochastic terrorism refers to the idea that uh, stochastic terror terrorism refers to random but predictable violence. Okay. If my audience is big enough and I every day say somebody should really do something about uh, Joe, Joe Schmo, something somebody really needs to, to deal with the problem of Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo is attacking our way of life. Joe Schmo, if he's allowed to continue doing what he's doing, is going to be the end of America as we know it. If my audience is big enough, it becomes predictable that someone in my audience is going to take that to heart and commit an act of real world world violence. Now, it will be random in terms of who does it, where and when. That's that's where the term stochastic terrorism comes from. We're talking about a confidence interval. We're talking about, uh, you know, it, it, it refers to terms often used in finance and science and relating to distributions. But if the if you're speaking to enough people, it becomes predictable that somebody is going to take action. And that is exactly what a lot of national security experts are, are now saying. And uh, senior federal law enforcement officials uh, have been saying that the level of concern is extremely high, that they are seeing threatening rhetoric and, and levels of anger as a result of the things that Donald Trump and his defenders who continue to claim he actually won. Joe Biden didn't really win. It was stolen. There was fraud. It's all part of the conspiracy. Uh, this is something that is very dangerous. And I'm glad to see national security experts speaking in no uncertain terms. And the term stochastic terrorism is exactly the right one. My hope is that uh, this will not turn to real world violence beyond what we have already seen. And we already saw some of it at the so-called million MAGA march, which fell just a little short of a million people over the weekend. Um, I hope that it doesn't come to that. Let me know what you're thinking about this. I'm on Twitter at D Pacman. We will take a break and have a fantastic program for you today. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. When you see me sitting here at the microphone, oftentimes I'm wearing a shirt by a company called Teddy Stratford. And I love these shirts so much that I asked Teddy Stratford to be a sponsor of the show. And here's why I like their shirts so much. With other slim fit button up shirts, you often get this weird looking gap between the buttons where it looks kind of stretched out. But Teddy Stratford actually has a patented zipper that's hidden underneath the buttons, which secures the shirt against your chest so it doesn't look stretched. And most importantly, it just provides a nicer looking fit overall. And the entire shirt is specially designed to really improve the way your upper body looks when you're wearing it. It also has a special type of collar that prevents it from drooping down and spreading open, which is another really great thing about these shirts. All of these things really do a lot to make a big difference when you're looking at a shirt. And that's why I like to wear Teddy Stratford shirts on the show. Go check them out at davidpackman.com slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15 percent off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. One of our sponsors today is Magic Spoon. The reason I'm such a fan of Magic Spoon is they allow me to enjoy the delicious breakfast cereals I loved as a kid 
without all the sugar and without the unhealthy ingredients, because Magic Spoon makes breakfast cereal that you really can't tell apart from those tasty sugary cereals that we all know. But each serving of Magic Spoon has no sugar, three net carbs and 11 grams of protein. So it's perfect for someone on a low carb keto diet, just anybody trying to eat healthier and cut back on the sugar. You can choose from cocoa, frosted, fruity, cinnamon, blueberry or peanut butter. They all taste amazing. And Magic Spoon now lets you create your own customized variety pack with the flavors you choose. They really do stand by their product and will refund 100 percent of your money. If you don't love it, no questions asked. Go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman to build your own custom variety box today and be sure to use promo code Pacman to get free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. Welcome back to the show. Remember the number one way to support the David Pakman show. Very easy. Grab yourselves a membership at joinpacman.com. I cannot speak to what types of discounts will be legal when Joe Biden is president. So a great time to take advantage of the coupon code fresh start, which will save you 70 percent, an unconscionable amount of money. Let's hear from some folks in the audience via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord, starting with David from St. Louis. David from St. Louis, you're on the air. What's going on? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. A little too loud. You're coming in beautifully. All right, great. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, yeah, so I had a couple questions for you. Um, so first, I understand that you generally support uh, the national popular vote and the interstate compact. Uh, yes. Now, before curious. we go any further, make sure to turn on uh, do not disturb on discord because we're starting to get the discord bling oh, coming yeah, in over yeah, your yeah. voice. And that's, um, that's a pain. I'm definitely new to this. So. I... Oh, boy. Can you hear me? I, I can. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure how to do that. So I'm just going to mute my odd um, my sound while I'm talking. Is that OK? OK, beautiful. All right. So um, my question is about the national popular vote, interstate compact. Basically, I understand that you support that. Um, so my question is, um, in terms of ranked choice voting, which I'm, I've become more interested in lately, um, what, what are your thoughts on like the valid criticisms of that? And also just kind of like personally, who would you have ranked in terms of like your top three, let's say, for the uh, latest presidential election? Um, my top three. Of, of people who actually of the people who ran, I would v- have ranked Joe Biden first. So I, I you know, if you're asking about theoretically people who didn't who didn't run, but from who was on the ballot on November 3rd, I would have ranked Biden one. But maybe I'm misunderstanding that piece. We've got a bunch of segments about ranked choice voting and different versions of it. There are versions of ranked choice voting in which theoretically the person who wins is one that did not actually have a plurality of first choice votes. And that's something that I think we should seek to avoid. But there are some other methods. And I don't remember now because the the expert we interviewed about it was about a year ago. It may be single transferable vote that resolves that problem. But I think that uh, a national popular vote with some version of single transferable vote 
uh, would be very interesting. I think it's extraordinarily unlikely that all of these things get changed at once. And so um, I, I think that the the lowest hanging fruit uh, is individual states like, for example, Maine changing away from a first past the post voting system, while at the same time we push the national popular vote interstate compact. But these things would work nicely together, but they are two different things. And they're likely to be if, if successes are going to be achieved, they likely will not be at the same time. Yeah. So so that was the, the one that you just described before about the, um, the, the the one that I heard of was from Andrew Yang because I was following him uh, during the election. And he was describing it the way like you could you know, put your your top person, let's say, based on policy that you were most, you know, that you believed you like most supported, yep. and then maybe put second or third the person that you thought was most likely going to win. So let's say for me, it would have been like Andrew Yang, maybe Elizabeth Warren, and then Joe Biden, or, or not necessarily that order, but the idea that you could put your top person first, and then um, if they don't get the enough, um, the requisite amount of votes to you know move forward with like plurality, let's say. Then, you know, Joe Biden gets all those votes. That's exactly the idea. And it, it eliminates the spoiler effect, which which deters a lot of people from voting a, a third party in the first place. So that that's one of the main attractions. David from St. Louis, I really appreciate the call. I'm going to let you go. I know you had a number of other questions, but we've got a bunch of people waiting. So we're going to uh, keep we're going to keep going here. Let's go to Andrew from Miami. Andrew from Miami, you're on the air. Hi, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, so I was wondering what your thoughts are on the Jimmy Dore versus AOC discussion that's been going on on Twitter. Are you familiar with it? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> what 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 is what's going um, on now? I mean, I don't. I think it's pretty important and pretty interesting to talk about. Is, is Jimmy Dore is currently trying to argue that AOC and the Squad should force Nancy Pelosi to put a House vote on Medicare for All uh, by basically refusing to vote for her for Speaker of the House. Okay, and I think it would really do a lot in forcing the house to actually put that to a vote and bring it into the national spotlight as opposed to just giving in to Nancy Pelosi's standard demands of making her speaker like we do every time. Does uh does Nancy Pelosi need the four votes from the squad to become speaker? So the the squad actually consists of more than just four people at this point. I mean the progressive caucus of the Democratic Party is is around 100 people. But hold and on a you second. Would, you you yeah. it's, but the the squad is not a hundred people. I mean, maybe the squad is like six or eight if you include some of the new people coming in. So is right. uh, is the claim that that four to eight people should abstain from voting for Nancy Pelosi, or that the entire Progressive Caucus? Yeah. So the entire Progressive Caucus would be great, but obviously not all of them are actually progressive, right? They're just right. there for the for the name of it. I guess I'm wondering but, what yeah. leverage four to eight members of Congress have to stop Nancy Pelosi from being speaker. I just don't have the math in right. front of me. Yeah, the math turns out to be actually that it would be a pretty close vote. And even some members of the Progressive Caucus have admitted that the vote could come down to as close as, you know, two to five votes if some people aren't there for COVID reasons, et cetera. So there's actually some power in the hands of the progressives in the House. And so what would be the goal of the so they do a vote and then and then what, I guess the vote. So the vote would show that these are the people who are against Medicare for all during a national pandemic, during this COVID crisis where 3000 people are dying per day, almost 300,000 have already died. And these people are against voting for that guaranteed health care during that pandemic. 
And we've also seen during this last uh, election that everybody who supported Medicare for all won their runoff election. Mm -hmm. So there's if, a, yes, that's yeah. true. There is significant self-selection bias in saying that because you have to look at, well, where did people in what what were the races in which people were running with that position. So I think there's a bit of a re reverse engineering problem there, a chicken egg problem. But more mm -hmm. importantly, don't don't we I mean, like I'm fine with votes for whatever, you know, uh, do whatever votes people want to do. I think it's great. Don't we know who's for and against Medicare for all? Like aren't members of Congress well, on the record on yeah. that? Isn't uh, the current vice president on the record having been for Medicare for all? And then she turned around and said that she's not. So it seems like when the it's advantageous for people to be for it. Oh, you mean it. the president, vice president elect, you mean? Yes. Sorry. That's what I meant. When people are when it's advantageous for people to be for it, they're for it. Yeah. And then when they're in positions of power, they're suddenly against fighting for it. So I think that's an interesting you know, conundrum there, isn't it? I mean, listen, I think it's fine to do that, but it, it seems also like Either way, it's it's a political posturing thing to like make a list of names of who's been naughty and nice sort of. Sure. And and then the problem is it's not going to do anything for anybody like it will literally get us no closer to getting everybody coverage or a coronavirus stimulus or saving a business that's about to go out of business. So like I have no you know, I, the House can do whatever it wants and sure do it. I don't know that they have the leverage to even get Nancy Pelosi to do it. And even if they do. It's a beltway story in the sense that people who right now are about to lose their business or not pay their mortgage, they don't benefit by getting a list of members of Congress that were hypocritical on Medicare for all. Would I be curious? I guess. But I just don't know that we really are doing anything for the people by making that the focus. And remember, I haven't seen any of what you're talking about on Twitter. I'm just taking you at your word that you're oh. describing it accurately. Interesting. Yeah, Jimmy Dore was tw uh, trending over the weekend about it, and it was on Rising and a few other programs as well. Okay, yeah, that's. I guess yeah. that's probably why I didn't see it. I don't watch other programs, and I didn't look at oh. Twitter over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. All right, for my friend. My call. Thank it. you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Where are we going next? We are taking uh, taking calls. Let's go to Sarthak from, I believe it's Boise, Idaho. Is that correct? Yeah, that is Boise, Idaho. How you or, doing? I'm kind of in like the Meridian Eagle area, but pretty close to Boise. Love it. So what's um, on your so, mind? Yeah, so I just wanted to say like I, I'm a big fan of your show. Uh, it really got me through this election and all the ups and downs that it's had. Thank and you. And I guess my question is like with with what Trump's doing, do you think there will be like a Republican civil war or do you think Trump already kind of won it and that it's now the party of Trump? Because I saw Kyle Kalinske talking about that quite a bit. And I just wanted to see what your take was. I think we don't know yet. And so right now you're seeing factions that are very angry with each other. Earlier this week, Mitch McConnell acknowledged that Joe Biden is president elect and Trump attacked him on Twitter. And then the QAnon people started tweeting they're leaving the Republican Party. And you have Trumpists attacking Republican Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Republican Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger because they're apparently unwilling to overtly try to help Trump steal the election. They were fine trying to do it by voter suppression. It didn't work. And now that's kind of where they're drawing the line. I just don't think we know yet. I think the Georgia results will give us 
this a, a signal, given how close it's been? If the Democrats end up winning Georgia by a significant margin, I think it will be a sign that the Republican civil war had has an, is, is real and has an impact. But really what I think the factor, uh, the the um, uh, what we need to wait for is how visible is Trump after January 20th? Because I'll tell you, if Trump disappears and just goes to play golf and stops tweeting or even gets banned by Twitter once he's not protected as a world leader, I think it will completely deflate the sales of the QAnon of the cultists and of those folks. And we see the Republican Party reunite, pretend to care about the debt and just oppose Democrats. If Trump remains visible or he is replaced in visibility by some of his kids or whatever, if they keep it going, that will continue the divisions between the Trump cult and the sort of more mainstream Republican Party. I just don't think we'll, we're going to know that until after January 20th. OK, and so like if they do like either Trump runs again or like he announces it during Biden's inauguration. Yeah. Or there's like he buys Newsmax and then he starts his own Trump TV. Do you think that's the that's the way that we have a civil war? And yes. Otherwise, just going to go back to the normal status quo kind of Essentially. Republican Party. That's my view as of right now. Yeah. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Great to hear from uh, Boise, Idaho, close to close to Boise, Idaho. Uh, we're taking calls via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's briefly go to my friend Pedro from Colombia. Pedro, ¿cómo estás? Hola, Miss Pacman, can you hear me? Sí, ¿cómo estás, mi amigo? Oh, estoy bien, Mr. Pacman, good to talk to you. Un placer como siempre. Yes. Oh, Mr. Bachman, did you see that Mr. Biden finally won? Sí, por I supuesto, thought, ganó. Yeah, I thought he won like a month ago, but I guess he won again. I He's won oh. seven or eight times now. Yeah, I don't understand your American system of, of voting. It's kind of confusing, you yep. know. But, I'm happy, you know, that he finally won again. So, muy bien, Pedro. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Mr. Pacman, you know, uh, I don't really have much to say. I was thinking of starting an OnlyFans, you know. Mm -hmm. But, but my wife, you know, I think if she found out, she might be a little, a little mad, you know. I wasn't gonna post, you know, too many. You know, racy pictures, you know, but, you know, I just, I got like some, I got a nice body, you know, I want to mm -hmm. use it for my advantage. You know? Y Pedro, I, you ¿cómo, know? ¿cómo anda tu esposa? ¿Está contenta ella con la elección o qué le, qué le parece? Oh, mi esposa, she's, she's doing good, you know, she, she didn't really care who won, you know. Uh, well, she kind of like Joe Biden more. She thinks Trump's a little racist, you know. But tiene, I... tiene algunos ejemplos de eso? That she's... ¿De qué? <laughs> See, I think he does understand Spanish, at least. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, that's interesting. ¿Cómo se llama tu esposa? Me olvidé. Uh, she doesn't like me to... 
tell her name, you know. Okay. So I just call her my wife, you know. And do you have kids, Pedro? Oh yeah, Pedrito. He's my my pride and joy, and you know, I love my little Pedrito. You know, my wife. She doesn't think I care about Pedrito, and she always kicks me out the house. You know, because really, she's like, "Oh, Pedro, you don't anything." But I do care about him. You know. ¿Y cuántos años would... tiene Pedrito? Oh, he's, uh, I think he's four years old. Think, I forget, okay. you know. All so. right, Pedro. Uh, thank you so much for the call. Okay. Good to talk to you, Mr. Pacman. I love your show. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't know that we'll ever really figure that out. I mean, it's, it's, I go back and forth as to what that is, and it's never, never totally clear. Okay. Let's take a very quick break. If you're holding on to talk to me, don't go anywhere because we will be back uh, right to the phones momentarily. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. I want to let you know that our sponsor, Vincero Watches, is having a massive holiday sale on all of their products right now, and you can take advantage of it by going to davidpakman.com slash watch. A brand new high quality wristwatch really is the perfect way to add something fresh to your style, whether it's for you or a gift for someone else. Vincero is a brand that has a serious dedication to the craft of watchmaking, which is really evident when you look closely at their watches. I wear Vincero watches myself. Lately, I've been wearing one from their Icon Automatic collection. It's the mesh matte black watch, and I love the sleek, minimalist design. Their watches are actually sold at a fair price. Their mission has always been to make a wristwatch from high end materials, but one that everyday people can afford. And that's why they have over twenty five thousand five star reviews, because you won't find a better made watch for this great of a price anywhere else. You can get big holiday discounts on all of their products right now and free shipping when you go to davidpackmancom slash watch. I've put the link in the podcast notes. What if you could read 10 books in just one sitting? That's exactly what one of my favorite apps lets you do. It's called Blinkist. And what they do is take thousands of popular nonfiction books. They condense them down into text or audio that you can consume in 15 minutes. Blinkist makes sure that you're getting all of the important core insights from each book. So it's perfect for exploring a book you otherwise wouldn't have time for. If there's a full book you're thinking about buying, you can use Blinkist to get a sample first. Just think how much you can enrich yourself by being able to soak up an entire nonfiction book in just 15 minutes. I recently checked out the book Podcast Marketing Strategy by Daniel Rolls and Kieran Rogers and so useful, so particularly applicable to what I'm doing. Really recommend it. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman.
Welcome back to the David Pakman Show. All right, hearing from folks all over the country and world via our Discord server, which you can find at davidpakman.com slash discord. Let's talk briefly to Stavros from Greece. We've never had a caller from Greece before, Stavros. Stavros, please unmute so that we can hear you. It would be a pleasure. There Hi, David. How are you? Uh, fine. Thank you. Good. Um, I was wondering, like, say Trump disappears from politics, as you have predicted may happen. Yeah. Do you think any Trump children like, I don't know, Don Jr. or Ivanka, maybe will try to revive the Trump brand of, say, politics for a potential 2024 run, something like that? I think it's plausible, but I think there will be something intermediate. There are rumors that maybe Lara Trump, Eric's wife, will run for Senate in North Carolina. That's a possibility. And I think that would be for 2022. There's the idea maybe of Ivanka or someone running for something short of president. So you you may actually see that before you see one of the kids try to run for president. And we you know, we sort of have to see how the next two years shake out. Remember, Stavros, they also could be tied up in, in legal investigations for the next two or three years, and it might interfere with their ability to run for anything. I, I just have no idea what the next couple of years look like for that family. Mm, yeah. And you don't see them maybe like joining the mainstream Republican Party and mainstream ideas. They sort of have. I mean, that see, that's the thing. The Trump cultists are sort of at odds with the mainstream Republican Party. But for the most part, while Trump has done his public scandals, the Republicans have just kept doing what they'd be doing anyway, passing tax cuts for the rich, appointing right wing judges and justices. So the the Trump uh, kids and the Trump family itself has mostly bowed down to the Republican Party, except for cases in which they don't get along, like on stealing the election, as an example. But I, I, I think that we just have to wait and see. Yes, of course. Um, OK, thank you very much. My pleasure. Stop. Now, what part of Greece are you in? Uh, Athens, Athens. I've never been, but I would love to go uh, soon. I don't know. And whenever it's safe, you know. Yeah, it's very nice. You should you should come. And is it uh, is it the type of city where you can kind of get around easily on your own as a first time visitor? I mean, you can. It's not we don't have the best, you could say, public transport system. OK, but uh, it, it, I think it's doable. And what's the weather like right now in December? I mean, it's cold, uh, cold for, you know, brick weather. Um, I think it's kind of like California in general, the climate here. So when and, you say cold, how many degrees are we talking about? I don't know, probably. 10 degrees Celsius. Oh, my goodness. How, that sounds beautiful. That, is in Fahrenheit. that sounds delightful. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. All right, Stavros. Great. I, I hope to hear from you again, my friend. OK, thank you. All right. Stavros from Greece. Very strong. Um, let's go next because there is uh, there's just no shortage of people here trying to get on. Why don't we talk to. Uh, Oh, we have a Philip. I can't see the name, but we have a Filipino Whoa. caller. Filipino caller, what's your name? It's just not showing up. Sir, I am John Christian Ambion from the Philippines, sir. Did you say John Christian? Yes, sir. How are you? Fine, sir. 
Well, I have to say here that America, that in America, you voted for Biden, right? Well, in the Philippines, it's kind of a shambolic democracy because our president, Rodrigo Roa Duterte, is at it again. He shut down ABS-CBN. He read tag political activists. He accuses Vice President Lenny Robredo of showing off in a typhoon. And now, Le Leonor Briones, the Department of Education Secretary, our secretary, said that face-to-face -face classes will happen. Well, your secretary, DeVos, is similar to, to my secretary, which is Briones. So I have to ask you the question is, if President Duterte ends, do you think he will go to the International Criminal Court because the ICC said that there is enough evidence to say that he has committed crimes against humanity yeah. for murder, for extortion, for political killing, everything from his term in office until right now. I think that it is almost without question that Rodrigo Duterte has committed horrible crimes. And and yet I don't think it's particularly likely he will be brought up on charges in front of the International Criminal Court. I, I don't see it as likely, unfortunately. Unfortunately, well, I think the president of the Philippines and his cult of supporters are as horrible as Trump supporters because I think you're right. They build lies, everything, everything they call us. Um, I let's say in Filipino, Dilawan, Bayaran. Well, it's talking about the Liberal Party, which is the party before Duterte. So right. my follow-up question is: If Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did did the unthinkable in 2020, what advice will you say to Filipinos like me? who will vote in the 2022 Philippine presidential election. Because this is not about Rodrigo Duterte. This is the future of the country in the next two years. And we have seen here that Duterte's allies can cheat, lie, steal, and manipulate just like Mr. Marcos did in the 1980s. Right. Well, listen, I wish I had specific advice, but without being as familiar as you are with the specifics of how he will attempt to remain in power, it's hard for me to say anything more than than generally we need everybody to vote that that was the meme here and enough people did that we have we have removed Trump. Now you're you're shot out of a cannon today. You're completely on fire. And I have to ask, are you speaking into a phone but talking through a megaphone? No, I know I am not speaking to a megaphone. I am here to tell the truth that okay. Rodrigo Duterte is a murderer, yes. a dictator, a tyrant, a human rights denier. And there is no question that the ICC has proved that Duterte should be charged. With I think you're right. Humanity. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And we are going to uh, listen very closely and see if we can figure out how you achieved such a unique vocal sound. Uh, it, it sounds almost like there's a, a band saw going in the background, but I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate the call. And uh, wow, that is a high energy call. And I sympathize politically 
uh, with the situation in the Philippines. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. It's uh, it, it is something else. Let's go next to Ali Reza in Toronto, Canada. Ali Reza, you're on the air. Ali Reza, please unmute so that we can hear you. You are on the air in Toronto, Canada, but I cannot hear you until you unmute yourself and configure your audio. And Ali Reza, absolute last opportunity. It's sort of a going once, going twice, going three times type of thing. And Ali Reza is gone because Ali Reza was unable to put everything together. Let's next go to Hamdi from Norway. Hamdi from Norway, you're on the air. Yeah, hello. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Uh, do we have a specific point that we have to hold to? A specific point? Yeah, like, for example, uh, I have a question regarding what do you think that the people on the right side uh, on the political spectrum yeah. get away more with lies uh, compared to the people on the left side? Ah, beautiful. So when you say they get away with them, they get who isn't holding them. In other words, when the right lies, the left doesn't punish them for it or it's the right that doesn't punish the right for lying. Well, both because people on the left, they punish people from the left while the people from the right, they stick together like uh, like it's it's like a clan with wolves, you know, they stick together uh, thick and thin. Right. I mean, it's different standards. This is exactly the point. And I, I talked about this a few weeks ago when I explained that the Trump cult is they don't think about facts and truth the way that we on the left do. Um, they believe that they are waging essentially a war and that they have the moral high ground. And so when Kaylee McEnany comes out and, and lies and Trump says he won Georgia and people at the rally in Georgia say Fox now is liberal and you have to listen to Newsmax, they think that the it doesn't matter whether they are telling the truth in a literal sense because they are in a war where any tactic to win the war is acceptable. The left doesn't have that perspective and the left often will say we're not going to stoop to their level. And this is why the right gets away with lies that the left wouldn't even let its own get away with. You, you're, you're identifying this perfectly. Yeah, for, for example, um, we have a saying uh, as a uh, as a Norwegian with from an immigrant family, of course, I'm North African from Western Sahara. OK. So basically, my, bio, my dad came in uh, here in 1978. Uh, what I love about Norway, for example, I never experienced racism, not even once. Really? Uh, such. Yeah, it's such. We have a, th a thing in Norway that's called uh, which means like uh, our new uh, our new people. It's interesting so like, to hear you say that because, you know, one of the arguments that American right wingers love to make about Sweden, Norway and Finland is they say the reason that there's no racism there is that there's no people to be racist against because everybody's white. But you're saying even as someone who is in, a, in an overwhelming minority there, you've never felt racism in that way. Well, well, one thing is that what's fun about this is that uh, I hate the fact that Americans, uh, I'm sorry, but Americans think that their country is the only nation with immigrants. For example, right. I'm from a city called uh, Drammen, and uh, it's one of the biggest cities in Norway. And you have Oslo, which is like around 24 percent 
uh, immigrants, right? Like people from immigrant background. So there's a lot of immigrants in Norway. I think it's two percent, two percent of the population is Muslim now, and we have tons of Vietnamese as well. I think that's higher than the India. United States, Hamid. I believe in the U.S. only one point five percent is Muslim or something yeah, like that. It, it, it might be one. So it's between one and two. Okay, fair, but, fair. Uh, the biggest uh, immigrant group we have here is uh, Swedish and Pakistanis and now Polish, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But we have uh, immigrants from uh, all parts of the world, just like you guys have. So it's not really that big of a difference. Yeah. Um, the thing about um, I was going to ask really is that I find it really strange that uh, the people on the right get away with racist terms without, uh, when you call them out about it, they try to say they're not racist. For example, we have uh, uh, people on the right, like you guys have Donald Trump. We have someone called uh, Sylvie Stug, uh, a female. I think uh, uh, there was a Colbert report maybe made fun of her because she um, she and people in her party yeah. use a term that called sneak Islamizing, which is a sneaky way of introducing uh yes yeah, sneaky Trump. islamization it sounds like yeah yeah basically and i mean like if you said that stuff about jews like uh sneaky jews trying to uh invade our country if it did something like that oh my god you would call out straight away you know well way. people do there's, say that all the time interestingly enough but yes you're right yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah there's no head of a political party in norway who says that about jews for right example. I understand. But, uh, somehow it's okay to say this about muslims yeah and i wonder why can people on the right side get away with this with no consequences yeah it's like, uh well it's because there's their side doesn't think there should be consequences. That's that's the that's the exact difference. And, you know, people say, well, the left allows the left to get away with the same. No, they don't. It's like, you know, here we have this Anthony Weiner scandal. As soon as Anthony Weiner was caught with these texts, Democrats just disavowed him. And that was it. When there was a guy caught with ten thousand dollars in his freezer for some bribe, it was like a decade ago. Democrats weren't standing by him. I forget his name now. So, yeah, it just they don't they don't think there should be consequences for some of these things. So then therefore there are no consequences. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hamdi, listen, I love the call. I've never been to Norway, but it is high on my list and I, I would love to visit. Yeah, it would be great to uh, have you here. Now, think, I've uh, been to I, Finland. Would like what, what would be mo if I liked Finland? What would be the most notably different thing about Norway if I visited? Yeah, well, <laughs> basically, you say that, for example, we have a company called uh, Sector Alarm, which is one of the biggest uh, alarm companies in Europe. Mm -hmm. So we uh, opened a section for uh, Finnish people. Well, the thing is about uh, about Finnish people, they're known for being really quiet, not like uh, they don't like to talk, they don't mm. like to, you know, they're not really sociable. But as long as uh, as soon as you give them something to drink, they come uh, really sociable. But <laughs> Norwegians are more like they're more tolerant. They're very left wing. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm saying never experienced racism here. People are very open, very friendly. And yeah, I encourage everybody to come over here and see for yourself. I plan to. We used to have direct flights from Boston to Oslo. Now, who knows, you know, but I will I will make it there after the pandemic, my friend. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for the call. Very much appreciate it. I'm sorry I was not able to take more calls, but we got some good ones. I will take calls again very soon. We will go to a break and be back with more right after this. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com.
if you are anything like me, you probably aren't thrilled with the idea of going into a doctor's office right now. And thankfully, there is a practical and affordable way to take control of your health and get personalized care from the comfort of your home. It's a service called Steady MD. They're one of our sponsors. You take a quiz, you get matched with a licensed primary care physician who understands your health needs. You have a one hour video call with your new doctor. You establish a meaningful relationship with them. And after that, your doctor is available to you anytime by text, phone or video chat. This is not a random doctor on call. Each doctor at Steady MD has a limited number of patients, so they actually have time to listen to you. You get the personal attention that you deserve. They can do almost everything an in-person doctor can do, perform medical evaluations, talk to you about health concerns, send prescriptions to your home or local pharmacy and anything they can't do online. They'll quickly set you up with an in-person provider to do things like blood tests. As an example, you don't need insurance. It's only ninety nine bucks a month with no other fees or copays. There are so many practical advantages to using steady MD for primary care. And it's also so much more affordable. Go to steadymd.com slash Pacman to take the free quiz and see which doctor is right for you. I took their quiz. They matched me with a doctor who specializes in my particular health needs. The doctor they gave me is a really perfect fit for me. Again, that's steadymd.com slash Pacman. There's no risk, no commitment to get started. That's S T E A D Y M D dot com forward slash P A K M A N. I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, SNH Masks. SNH Masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for COVID 19, and they're giving my audience 20% off. SNH Masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell. And that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year, like many of you, and I still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell. It's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin, has a convenient adjustable strap, and it features a disposable five layer particle filter made of activated carbon. They also have disposable cloth masks, which are really comfortable, as well as all of the other gear like face shields, alcohol wipes, no touch infrared thermometers. And all of their prices are very reasonable. I also love SNH masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions. They're an excellent company. Shipping is just five bucks and shipping is free on orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. You can get there by going to davidpackmancom slash mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20 percent on everything in their store when you use coupon code David. The David Pakman Show at davidpackmancom All right, let's get into audience questions for the week. We do have these two uh, special Senate runoff elections coming up on January 5th. The question I'm getting more and more is, can we trust the polls? And the answer is it doesn't actually matter. And I'll explain why in a moment. So as a reminder, we have two Senate races that will determine who controls the Senate. 
They're both in Georgia. They're both runoffs. The first one is incumbent Kelly Leffler against challenger uh, Raphael Warnock. The second is incumbent David Perdue against challenger John Ossoff. There are no debates happening in the Ossoff Perdue debate because Perdue said he he's not going to do it. That's after Ossoff absolutely obliterated him in the last debate they had. We did see a debate between Leffler and Warnock. Uh, Leffler appeared to have a software malfunction where she was just repeating the same thing over and over again. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock, radical liberal Raphael Warnock, on and on and on. Uh, really weird. But in any case, the polling uh, is very, very close. If you look right now at the um, Ossoff Purdue polling, it's Ossoff plus one on average. If you look at the Warnock Leffler polling, it's Warnock plus a little bit over one. And of course, both races have polls saying it's actually the Republican who's winning. So the answer to can we trust the Georgia Senate polls is it doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is they're basically 50 50. If you trust them, it's 50 50 and thus you have to vote because it's going to be close. If you don't trust them, then we don't know what the race is looking like, in which case you would just go and have to vote. So it, it's actually there's no you know electoral college consideration where, well, if Biden's winning nationally, but in my state he's not and do I vote. But if in California it wouldn't matter. No. It, it, none of it matters. It, it's it's could not be simpler. If you believe the polls, this is tied and everybody should vote. If you believe the polls can't be trusted, then you should vote because the real polling could be anything. And uh, we don't uh, on, on, in both scenarios, we should be getting out and voting. Now, as a reminder, the importance of these three elections should not be understated. Uh, these two elections rather should not be understated. With these two seats, Democrats would have a 50 50 tie in the Senate. And what this means is that the possibility of Joe Biden getting big campaign uh, a policy done goes way up because in the case of a 50 50 tie, Kamala Harris gets to cast the deciding ballot as vice president of the United States. You can't possibly overstate the importance of this. I believe there is no chance of anything being done on health care if Democrats don't take these two seats. I don't believe you will see big climate and energy, green energy legislation if Democrats don't take these two seats. I don't I don't even know for sure whether you get um, uh, tax reform even done, even negotiating with Republicans. I don't know if you get tax reform done if you don't get these two seats. Now, on the counter side, on the opposite side to this is the reality that many of you have brought up when I open up the phone lines, which is even with a 50 50 split, is Joe Manchin from West Virginia, the most conservative Democratic senator going to vote for some of the stuff Joe Biden wants? We don't know. It's very, very much unclear. Um, but it's also possible that you could find a vote or two from the Republican Party among Republicans whose uh, constituents are more moderate. I know we, it's almost like a meme at this point, but Susan Collins in Maine, maybe. Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, there, there are some possibilities. Uh, but the, the important thing is that without these two seats, these aren't even conversations. So phone bank, text bank, donate if you can, door knock safely if you're in Georgia. We should all be focused in on these races and we will we will continue to be. But whether you trust the polls or not, it doesn't matter. Everyone must vote. 
Hey, David, so it turns out Hunter Biden is now being investigated. So now what will this be a cloud over Joe Biden for his entire presidency? I believe the answer is no. Here's why I don't believe. So to, to back up the story back in um, uh, the pre-election part of 2020, this outrageous conspiracy um, was put together, which alleged this is like a blend of the, all the different things. Uh, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son needed to get some laptops with really sketchy stuff on them repaired. So he flew across the country from the West Coast to the East Coast and brought these three laptops while drunk directly to a particular repair shop at which the person doing the repairs uh, and taking the laptops in was legally blind. And it's unclear how well he was even able to see who was dropping off the laptops. And then Hunter Biden, after flying across the country to get these important laptops fixed, left them there and never picked them up. And what the repair guy did was instead of, I guess, just trying to get the laptops back to their owner, he went in and read Hunter Biden's private emails on the laptop and was convinced that it was Hunter Biden because one of the laptops has a Bo Biden Foundation sticker on it. This is the so-called laptop from hell, as it's been dubbed by Donald Trump. Then the repairman found what was on there so sketchy that he gave it initially. I believe it was to the FBI. And when the FBI didn't do what the repairman wanted done with the laptop, after months, the repair guy called Rudy Giuliani and gave him the hard drive or laptop. And the rest is history. OK, so that's that's the story. What is going on right now with Hunter Biden has nothing to do with that. Now, what what Hunter Biden is in the middle of is an investigation related to reportedly, I believe it's one hundred and ten or so thousand dollars in unpaid taxes. Hunter Biden says he's cooperating fully with the investigation. He believes he paid all the taxes he should have and he's cooperating, period. So this has nothing to do with a laptop from hell. First and foremost, that's an important thing to remember. And uh, I, I don't think that the, I mean, listen, Republicans have given the option. They'll do investigations. They'll call for a special counsel, whatever. But uh, Hunter Biden certainly um, is not going to be part of Joe Biden's administration. I know that we may now because of Donald Trump think, well, obviously, Hunter Biden's about to be a high level advisor to Joe Biden. No, no, that that's uh, that that's not going to be the case. And um, as a result, I, I think that this is not going to generate um, the sort of titillation that many on the right are hoping. Now, I would find it fascinating if, if Joe Biden came out and said no one is above the law. People should get their day in court and everybody should be subject to investigation if law enforcement believes there's been wrongdoing, even if it's the child of a president of the United States and step completely out of the Hunter Biden thing, which is going to be resolved in due course. And of course, the implication of Joe Biden saying that would be this also applies to Don Jr. and to Eric Trump and to Ivanka and to Jared Kushner and whoever else. Um, the conspiracy theories about Hunter Biden will explode, but I would be shocked if this became what some in the conspiracy right are sort of hoping that it will become. I may be wrong and we will see. David, is there an actual scientific consensus on what covid policy should be? This is a really great question because there are people who hear the question, can't we just empirically determine the right covid policy? And the problem with the question is that it ignores that 
every choice is subject to trade off. So I'll give you an example. It has been determined beyond a doubt that given that the contagion is mostly happening indoors, if you limit indoor exposure without masks to other people, you dramatically reduce your risk of giving to giving or getting the virus from someone. Um, most contagion is happening within homes and it's being brought in from elsewhere. And of course, you reduce the risk of bringing it in from elsewhere. If when you go to work, if you're working indoors or go to the grocery store or wherever, you, you wear a mask. OK, so it can be easy to say that's the science. But when you talk about policy, you're talking about a trade off. There are people. I disagree with them, but there are people I walked by a guy on the street the other day who chastised me for wearing a mask in a bakery as required by the bakery um, who say, well, OK, that may be the science of masks, but I don't believe the trade off is worth it. The trade off being I don't like the way I look and it's uncomfortable. That, that's a trade off. And the, the science can't tell you if that trade off is worth it because it relates to values fundamentally. The the bigger one, you know, that that would would apply is temporary shutdowns during spikes uh, slow the transmission when they are adhered to. And there's a very interesting article I recently read about, you know, a lot of Latin American countries on paper have the strictest shutdowns and yet the virus is out of control. What's happening? Well, people aren't abiding by the shutdown and there's, there's no enforcement of the shutdown as often as is the case. So even if you determine temporary shutdowns that are very finely tuned um, are clinically effective, and they also minimize societal harm in terms of economic harm and uh, you know, feeling like your personal liberties have been taken away. These are like targeted. OK, it's still a trade off, right? You still have to say, well, this is the si this scientific policy. This policy has been shown scientifically to reduce transmission by this amount. It lowers the R not from something to something lower than that. You still have a counter to that. And you still have to decide based on your values whether it's worth the trade off. So I think that when we're asking the question, what is the scientific consensus on covid policy? What you're really saying is how much do different policies reduce transmission? The, the societal question, the government question, the cultural question, the economic question is what is the economic cost? What is the psychological cost? depression or separation of people, loneliness, uh, et cetera, uh, economic, all this other stuff. And that is a different question than simply what works scientifically. And to me, I, I continue to be shocked that people are insisting on this. We we can't do all of this because we have to save the economy. We can't shut down this. We can't do that. We get you know, all this all this different stuff. How are people still thinking that it's um, uh, economy versus health? If we seriously had dealt with the virus at the beginning, there might have been an initial economic hit that would have been harder. But we're a year in. We're on spike three, while most European countries are only on the second spike. We've got one of the highest death rates in the world. If you look at the deaths relative to our population, it's completely off the charts. So the the idea that we're, we're also dealing with false dichotomies about it's either health or the economy. The economy has suffered greatly and will continue to suffer. And we're doing disastrously poorly when it when it comes to health. So we might imagine that all that matters is understanding the scientific consensus, like a targeted and accurate, accurate, really well done uh, uh, lockdowns work to prevent the spread if people really do it. 
But there are downsides, depression, maybe people you know, drinking a business, permanently shutting down economic problems, all that stuff. But there is no consensus about what is worth it. And that's where the conflict is coming from. Now, some people are, are you know, making legal arguments. A government, ma a state government mask mandate is unconstitutional. No, it's not. Um, but there are real questions about what we, we believe is worth it. And we came out on the wrong side of it. Lastly, well, uh, uh, that that's the important thing to know, which is if we had actually had consensus on, you know, a two month, we're, we're 10 months in, we're almost a year in. If we had done a proper two month shutdown and really done everything that that should have been done, uh, we could have had a, a relatively normal summer in many parts of the of the country, as many European countries did. That's uh, that, that's the unfortunate reality. And getting consensus, we can better get consensus on the scientific, even though you still have people who say masks don't actually work. Shutdowns don't actually work. Well, if people don't wear the masks correctly or if you announce a shutdown but don't adhere to it, yeah, that won't work. But if you do it right, it does. Where we have not been able to get consensus is what is worth doing and what are people willing to tolerate? And part of it goes back to the complete bungling by the federal government at the very start of this entire thing. We've got a great bonus show for you today. Make sure to sign up and get instant access at joinpacman.com. We'll see you on the bonus show.